Hello and welcome to another episode of Techman Talks Dynamics. This time round, um, we are talking CRM and Power Platform and the Wave 2 2023 release. So myself, Jason, who I'm, I've got the privilege of being responsible for CRM and Power Platform at Techman, so hopefully you've seen me on one of these before. So they've trusted me with the hot seat again. I'm not quite sure I've managed that one, but I've also got with me today, I've got Kelly and I've got Zach, both CRM and Power Platform consultants as well at Techman. Right, let's get into it then. First of all, let's talk about traditional Dynamics 365 customer engagement, aka CRM, um, apps, which result in sales and wave two sales. I've got one, and I don't know whether it's the same one that you've got. Pin activities on the timeline. Yeah, that is also on my list. Uh... <laughs> so my understanding is that's a, any activity type, whether it be um, a phone call or an email or a task, etc there's somewhere you can pin it, well, you'll be able to pin it, and it always just stays top of that timeline kind of area. Bit like you can pin a record and it's on your site map on the left-hand side of the menu. Is it good, bad, indifferent? Are we happy? I think obviously it's uh, an improvement that they've made for you know prioritising tasks and to make sure they're always visible. So they don't fall by the wayside, really. I think that's really the main point of this improvement Microsoft made. I guess I can see maybe if there's one of the emails off a case, for example, or a particular opportunity that highlights the actual original requirement for the original problem, as opposed to it getting lost and having that email front and centre. But going back to your point of the kind of making sure thing, you know what's to do at the next step, isn't that a little bit like what Sales Accelerator or the Relationship Assistant was designed to do a little bit of? Um, so I think it's it's a nice little feature, but I don't think it's going to change my world. No. Um, but it's just pinned kind of records is probably a good thing across the system um, to highlight from that perspective. So what else have, was in your list then? So this may just be the... Uh the main topic of the entire podcast, to be honest, but Copilot, uh, okay. as we'll mention across almost everything we talk about today, um, Copilot's going to help you know sales users give an account summary, get recommended content uh, for when they're speaking to customers. So essentially, Copilot is obviously there to assist every user across every app, essentially, is what's happening uh, very slowly. So as I say, in sales... It's more just for giving people an overview of leads and summary, leads and opportunities, sorry. Yeah. And also, uh, Copilot's there to help assist with meeting notes as well. Okay, so do we know, when we talk about Wave 2 releases, especially when it comes to CRM and, and Power Platform, I find that our area, it's not just that everything hits October. Do we roughly know, kind of... Copilot, because I'm seeing a lot of stuff and we'll talk about it as we go on. Not all Copilot is going to hit us kind of on the 1st first, first of, of October. Yeah, as you say, the dates vary with Copilot. It's been brought out across the the app 
dates, yeah. but um, yeah, the dates vary per co-pilot. The other, um, the other bit I saw that was in sales a little bit going back to the timeline was it they're bringing out a what you've missed. Yes. So you go back to a record. And if there's certain things you can be able to filter on, well, what since the last time I was on this record, what have I missed? I'm. Um, very again, social media Esther, always the timeline or what's new was brought in for once upon a time. Yeah. Um. So it, I think if it's a case related, um, or maybe opportunity related, I think that's fair. Account related and contact, I think that just becomes busy anyway. So I'm not quite sure how heavy that would be used. But I think on a lead opportunity case, I don't think I think that's a decent move by Microsoft from that perspective. Yeah. They'll they'll be the main entities you'll use it on. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, for example, as well, if you're a sales manager or you're or you're uh, a um, support manager, you're going into that case record or you're going to that lead or opportunity record to understand what's happened since you were last there, because they're a long-standing opportunity. Well, has there been any activity? So, opposed to you sitting there going, "Well, when was the last time?" and speaking to the salesperson, you can go, "Well, what have I missed since the last time I came into this one?" Um, so I think that's quite a nice little feature, um, I, I guess. Customer service, I've only got one. Yeah, as I say, co-pilot, I don't want to keep beating the uh, co-pilot drum, but uh, particularly with the customer service aspect is co-pilot helping you uh, discover your knowledge, essentially going through your knowledge base and recommending the relevant content uh, for the users to essentially help to solve cases. So didn't we have that already, though, to an extent? Because if you tagged your case in the appropriate way and your articles in the appropriate way and you had your tab for knowledge base articles anyway, CRM, customer service, it would give you the the most associated knowledge base articles to that case record anyway, wouldn't it? So I'm being cynic here going... What's Copilot offering me? They had the suggested cases based on the categorisation and the subject and all of you know the, the different fields that you tagged it with. But I think what Copilot's going to do is actually read through what's input in the case and what emails come in and actually read the content of the article as opposed to just the categories it's tagged with. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And it's also going to help with actually drafting the emails and replies as well that you send out to respond to a case. Obviously, it's just there to give you a basis of what you should reply and talk about. Yeah. But it still gives the customer service uh, rep the freedom to, you know, amend what Copilot has suggested. Okay. The one for me on on customer service was, again, Copilot, but it was the summarising the actual support cases. So taking the details that come from the emails, the notes, the tasks, everything that's happened in that case record and providing a summary that one allows internally for any point in time, you can look at a summary of what's been going on with that case, opposed to, again, the support team leader, etc., trying to grab a gist of everything that's gone on. So helps internally, but also that summarising to help that, going back to your email, collating to the customer to send it on, while Copilot can help give that summary to the customer, opposed to you trying to pick all the different points up as well. So th- I think from me... We talk about sales co-pilot and the meetings and the opportunities and stuff like that. I think where we'll, I think especially at Techman, where we'll see a immediate benefit more so 
even though sales is kind of the more glamorous side of looking at it, I think the customer service side will make, make a make a bigger impact on Copilot, at least initially. Yeah. Yeah. Um so marketing. So we 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 are rattling through these a little bit in terms of the areas, but at the same time, I think that sales, customer service, marketing, and I should have said this at the start, there isn't act there isn't actually abundance of new features in those areas this time round. There's a lot of co-pilot stuff, but in terms of other ones, they're more subtle as it stands right now. So I think again, when we come to power platform and more co-pilots begin to go through, I think we can see where wave two is really kind of um, where the emphasis of wave two for for our area is really playing playing a part here. But so back onto kind of marketing, but not marketing. Yeah, customer insights dash journeys. Yes. Um, and we'll focus on journeys as it sounds for this podcast. Um, and then when it comes to kind of wave one of 2024 we'll focus more and we'll also cover data on that side as well moving forward but historically for this for the last time we'll just cover the traditional marketing yeah um or dust journeys as, as we now know it as so let's what what's the the first thing that you say you can't say co-pilot <laughs> I was about to say I'll try to avoid co-pilot as the first answer um, I think one of the main improvements that are going to happen in marketing um, is they're generally going to improve the templates which are out of the box to again give you know new users a better platform to start using the marketing solution and when we say templates are we talking Journey templates, yeah. email templates, what? Because obviously there's lots of templates yeah. that you've got inside of the traditional marketing as we know it. Yeah, the journey templates are the bit that I think will significantly sort of improve in this next wave uh, with specific journey templates around A B testing. Okay. Just to give people, you know, a platform of where do I start if I was going to, you know, do some A B testing? At least Microsoft are giving people, you know, here's a template that you can go and have a run at to start using those features of the app. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. We've probably got some, um, in our customer base, we've got some some customers that have got a fantastic marketing department, etc. but there's also some customers that perhaps don't use the marketing app at this moment in time, and go and say, well, can I justify that level of investment in the marketing app? Well, I could if I could know how to use the features. And AB is one of those going... If you if if you understand marketing and you work in marketing, you get it. If you want to know that you want to be able to send stuff out, but marketing is not your day to day job, you might sit there and go, "Well, how do I get started with it?" So I think these templates, if it's going to help kind of maximise a better use of the tool, I think clearly is a is a right step for forward for sure. So okay, that's a good that's that's a good step. Yeah, I think I think another one which is quite interesting. This is all sort of a new area for me, uh, particularly with marketing is these custom reports using Microsoft Fabric. A.K.A. Power BI. Yes, essentially it's Power BI. I, I, I will caveat that Fabric is not just Power BI. Yeah. There's more to... Fabric is a, is a collection of tools yeah. that encompass reporting, which Power BI is a very, very big part of it. Yeah. But, obviously, so... You talk about that right now in terms of the reporting, but what do, what do we get right now out of marketing from a reporting standpoint? So 
if we go back to outbound marketing and what those yeah. reports were, the dashboards were very much out of the box. Yeah. You know. Traditional common traditional CRM dashboards. dashboards. Yeah. Yeah. And as real time has sort of evolved, there's there's always been these Power BI dashboards essentially. Yeah, like the uh, templates that you could you could kind of plug and play to start off with. Yeah, they're essentially just analytics dashboards that are, you know, using Power BI. Yeah. Um so yeah, essentially the dashboards are just improving okay. and giving people more insight into what's going on in terms of, you know, looking at leads and qualification of leads also within the marketing app. Um, so yeah, I think the reports will just significantly improve compared to what they are and have been in outbound, certainly. I think one of those is 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 a bit more from Microsoft, I think would be useful. We had those couple of templates, but I think it needs a bit more from Microsoft yeah. from that perspective. These are the journey successes. These are the failures. This is your percentage of overall of your current hard bounce rates, yeah. soft bounce rates, etc. per journey, per sector, that kind of stuff, which you want to get at. But the idea is trying to collect that data centrally together easily to then slice and dice that data. Um, I think that's, that is definitely the next step of improvement that Microsoft really do need to make from yeah. a marketing app perspective. Um, okay. I've got one on marketing. And that's qualifying leads automatically on criteria to then pass to the sales team. So as it stands today, if we wanted to lead score somebody, and then when they hit a certain point, we would have had to go and probably build a flow to then go and create a task to that salesperson to then to go and follow regarding that, that lead record as such. Um, now, well, December, we you're going to be able to qualify leads automatically and pass it to a salesperson, sales resource, to then go and push on because that lead has hit the criteria accordingly. So again, it's one of those going, the tools had the capability to do it, it's just that it's just not been easy on the front end to yeah. make it work. On the back end, we've been able to make it work, but this is about kind of making it easy to say, at this point, right, what do we do and what tasks do we set? So again, I think that's a good step for a good step forward in kind of the traditional kind of lead scoring management kind of scenario. Yeah, definitely. And I will move on to Copilot in marketing, just because I think... Should we play Copilot bingo? <laughs> Maybe a good idea. Because in about three minutes, I might hit house. Yeah. So Copilot in marketing is actually, you know, I think this will help the users a lot. Um, just because the Copilot in the marketing is actually there to assist in terms of setting up domains. Domains is an area of marketing which is typically, you know, you get your IT team to do it. Yeah. Again, it is still going to be that. But it's at least going to give the users, you know, a, what do I need to do with all these domain information that I'm looking at? Uh, if, you know, you're coming there as a blank, from a blank canvas, you know, with no idea, Copilot's going to help you, you know, set up those domains initially. Um, also going to help you set up journeys, emails, you know. Emails is obviously a big deal for marketing and marketeers. You've essentially got an AI that can write the emails for you and change the tone of your emails. Again, it gives you just a platform, but it's going to significantly save a lot of time for marketing teams. So... I've kind of just left the word copilot and we like we all know what copilot actually means. So we know what copilot means. Yes. 
we've we've been talking about Copilot for months and months now, and uh, Copilot's first CRM push was Viva Sales, which is now called Sales Copilot, because Microsoft can't keep the name the same for more than about three months. But the reality is here is what. Let's just take a moment out of just the features, etc. But what is Copilot? What does Copilot actually offer? You've mentioned AI, you've mentioned assistance, you've mentioned, but what is Copilot? What, what, for those that are looking at Wave 2 and going, I've heard Copilot mentioned and stuff like that, and, and now you're banging on about the drum about Copilot and all these new features of Copilot, but I haven't even used Copilot yet. Having even seen Copilot, how it would work for me, apart from some fancy Microsoft videos that's very corporate that nobody ever actually deals with. What is Copilot? So it's... It's an assistant, like you say. You know, you, you get a little window, you put a sentence in, so you say, you know... I want to build a marketing email that promotes this product. So is it like Clippy back from the 90s in, in <sighs> office? I'm not old enough to remember. <laughs> 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 I wish. Yeah, uh, basically, yeah, it, it kind of is. Um, Rolling back the years and bringing back Clippy and the bouncy ball. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so you can talk to it in natural language, so you don't have to know programming language, you don't have to know the jargon, and you don't have to know, you know even as far as going, whether it's a table or an entity or... I think that's an important point, whether it's a table or a field that you've asked, yeah. please go and read that table and get me this this response from it. Yeah, but you don't need to do that. You just say, go and check my accounts. Yeah. You don't have to say, go and check the accounts table because it implies that yeah. when you're saying check accounts. So you can speak to it in natural language. So it's like, it's the difference between, you know, when, when Google came about and you could just randomly Google words yeah. whereas you know back in the 90s showing my age again you know and you used to have to give deliberate search parameters to be able to search the internet ask Jeeves yeah exactly you know so but that's the difference yeah. it's, it's the difference between being able to Google something and asking Jeeves to yeah, find something on the internet yeah. for you yeah I think that that's the important one. I think we talk about being an assistant tool. It's not to replace people. It's not to replace... It's, it's allow you to be more productive, to be more efficient, to, to get more done, I guess is the best way to put it. Yeah. To serve, to add value in other areas as opposed to just worrying about how to build certain things that you wish you could do quicker on yeah. that point of view. So I think the, the interrogating the data... I think from a CRM, a sales team, a marketing team, a customer service team, a, a, whoever manages the relationships in your business... And that could be internal, it could be customer, it could be supplier, etc. But to be able to service the right information at the right time, we talk about CRM being that 360 view of the customer. Um, and we can, with reports and guidance and configuration and stuff like that, this is allowing us to get a bit more of that information now, opposed to later, once we've thought about slicing and dicing that information, etc. like that. Is that a fair way to put it? It's about kind of being a bit more having information more readily available. Yeah. Yeah. I think just the nature of it, it's a massive time saver as well. That That's an important point that, you know, there's less clicks. You don't have to go, you know, from here, there and everywhere to get the data that you need. Yeah. Copilot's going to help surface the data that you need to help, you know, build an email, respond to a case. It's, it's just there to assist you. It's not going to have every answer under the sun yeah. but it gives you a platform to you know it gives you a starting point yeah yeah. Uh, 
it helps you along the way. And I think the thing here is with kind of the whole AI model, data models, and 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 also with Copilot, we can be cynical. I can sit and go, Copilot, bingo, and stuff like that. But the truth is, initially, for the first subsequent amount of months that we're going to have of Copilot being available truly to us, we're going to laugh, we're going to joke, we're going to smirk, we're going to go, this is a bit of a gimmick. This doesn't really give us me the response that I want, etc. But if we stop using it, it's never going to improve. It's never going to give us what we want. So we kind of, to an extent, us, our customers, we've kind of got to stick at it and use it and see it being used for basically the Microsoft engine in the background to actually keep improving. Otherwise, it will just think, oh, what's the point in Copilot? The idea is that Microsoft really want you to use the system, have Copilot in the background, and then using it, and then learn and improve itself to then, obviously, 12 months' time, 18 months' time, 24 months' time, you really start to see a real big kind of assistant tool, whereas December, October, whenever it is, it might give you some nice suggestions, but you also might find yourselves actually going, hold on a second, I'm not going to use the suggestion on this example. It's a bit too far-fetched for what I'd actually send to my customer. Because the idea is, if you're sending something to a customer as well, I write an email very differently to how you both write an email. Yeah. So I, I'd want Copilot to know my tone of email, not just a, oh, it's the Techman corporate response, because I think that's a load of crap. But the idea, because nobody writes emails that way, Techman, we all build personal relationships. So Zach's style of email, Kelly's style of email, Jason's style of email, we want to be personal to our customers. So the idea is that Copilot's got to learn that at the same at the same time. And the only way it's going to learn it is if we give the, the opportunity to learn, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same with all AI though, isn't it? You know, you, it needs data. It Feed does it data need data. And it will learn. But it needs structured data yes. as well. There's no point in just throwing it unstructured data, no no thought process of how you think about your data. You just, I'm going to throw it everything and then expect that it's going to come out with the right response all the time. So it has to be structured yeah. as well. It is an important point that we are essentially at the start of the co-pilot journey. So anybody who is listening to this thinking, all oh, my problems going to be solved by co-pilot. As we're all saying, yeah. it's going to give you a platform based on the AI is now, but it will only improve over time. It will. And, and, and again, I, you see a lot kind of posted out there not just in the dynamics community, but elsewhere, going, oh, okay, well, these AI models, these co-pilots are going to, uh, they're going to take my job. They're not. They're going to allow you to to find the USPs and, and the values that you can add to your customers, your relationship better than just tapping away at a laptop, s- sending the same responses that you always send. And that's the idea that co-pilot is going to take our ability of the customer experience from our world, realistically, to the next level, opposed to we can we've continued to do what we've always done. So, co-pilot in marketing then or customer insights dash journeys, um, creating emails etc. And I think the big thing here is co-pilot. It's natural language. A lot yeah. about it is you talk to it in natural language, and it will give you responses back. What we will hope will be complete natural language. Now to start off, we know that it's not always going to be traditional natural language. It's going to be a bit broken in terms of its responses but it will improve over time yeah definitely 
having used obviously the marketing solution more than you know the average person natural language is in there already to help build segments but as you say it just gives you a platform you can't go to the level of granular you know write a sentence and natural language yeah. query interprets it and builds it for you so it's very much a give me contacts in Birmingham for example it can go and build that for you but you know the further you go it's not going to do everything do you re- I, I, I'm thinking here that Copilot is really going to help take the real time marketing piece to the next level yeah because obviously it's all about kind of triggers and what happens and when and stuff like that and you're thinking it in your head and what you want to do but you might not know all the structures inside of CRM that's going to get you there. So from my perspective, when it's going, the, it's not just a traditional outbound list and stuff like that and send me. It's like, get, find me who's been part of or who's done what yeah. and without fundamentally knowing all the data structures underneath. And I think that's where real-time marketing, that, that area, which obviously we know is the main area to, to mark the traditional marketing side of what we know it as, I think that's going to absolutely be a game changer I think yeah definitely Copilot's essentially as we've been saying it's the assistant that is there to essentially uncover your data data that you may not even know that you have such as you know knowledge base articles if you're working in customer service yeah how to you know build a journey using A-B testing you know things that you may not know Copilot's going to there to go you know do this here's how you do it yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, here's your starting point Yeah. yeah So that's traditional CRM then. Um, Power Platform, even though when I always say this going, let's talk on Power Platform, but CRM apps are Power Platform, so it's all part of the same thing. But let's talk away from traditional CRM and let's just talk about the components of Power Platform. So where do you want to start, Kel? Let's start with Dataverse, as that's a nice segue. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yep. So the the reason that you don't get that many features anymore in the, the sales and the service is because they're actually Dataverse features. Yeah. And they affect the entire database regardless of which area you're using them in. Yeah. So um, a couple of things, really, um, that we've got for Dataverse. So one of the, the most exciting things that we've got for Dataverse is the idea of a low-code plugin. Nothing to do with Copilot. Okay. Um, so the idea of a low-code plugin, traditionally, if we wanted to create plugins for CRM way back when or Dataverse, you know, you had to get a proper .NET developer, C-sharp or, you know, whatever language it is that they, they use. I don't know, it's above me. Um, but it was proper coding. Yeah. Yeah, and you had to create a proper plugin and... It was a proper plugin assembly that you had to wrap up, and you... so now we can create low-code plugins. So we can essentially replicate a lot of the formulas that we would use in Canvas apps, for example, um, or other formulas like that. So using something called the Dataverse Accelerator, we can now go and create these plugins inside of Dataverse. So we can use it to replicate functionality. So things like um, like the quote product functionality that's built into sales. Yeah. We can use that now to replicate that on other tables. So instead of um, us having to get a developer, if we wanted a custom table that has you know lines that you want to add up values and things for, instead of us having to get a developer to build that for us, we can now go and do that ourselves. Okay. Um, so that's probably the most exciting thing in Dataverse. Okay. Um, so a couple of the other things that we've got for, for Dataverse. 
So you can now start, um, we've been able to do it for a little while, but you can build tables and fields and things exporting from Excel. They've improved that functionality so that they create those better. Um, And again, there is a little bit of a Copilot thing in there. You can use a conversation with Copilot to go and create data structures for you in Dataverse. Okay. Uh, We couldn't not mention a Copilot feature, of course. (laughs) Um, But so that's the main things in Dataverse. Obviously, there are a few other things as well. Um, they've improved the connectors for them. Um, so they've now deprecated the legacy Dataverse connectors yep. um, and not really relevant to us, but also the FNO connector. And it's now all just the Dataverse connector. Yeah. Um, so that's just all together in one. Yeah, I did I did see that they bought the, that everything was just the Dataverse connector. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in terms of then into, let's say Power Apps. And something that we spoke about earlier, the new look and feel. Yeah. So there's two parts to this. So we've got, um, was it the fluent design aspect of it? So they've basically changed the way that the form renders. So it looks a little bit more modern, a little bit sleeker. Yeah. Um, and you've got a nice drop shadow that you know highlights your sections for you. Yeah. So then the second part of it is um, they're actually basically throwing out all of the form design rules that we've currently got, so that you can have different layouts. Um, at the moment, we're very restricted to you can have sections and you can have you know two, three, four columns in them. Yeah. But they're all just boxes on yeah. forms. Yeah. So they're changing the way that we design those forms so that we can have um, distinct layouts. So we can have data running down one side and then you know charts and things in various different places as well, which is just gonna be able to, it's gonna allow us to make these forms more user-friendly, surface the data that needs to be surfaced to the fore and not be restricted in terms of sticking things in boxes. Yeah. So that's quite nice. I think the the a little bit more flexibility on the design of, of forms and stuff like that, both in model driven and canvas apps, I think is I can't say canvas apps is long overdue, but I think model driven, traditional CRM it's it's long overdue. Yeah. So it's we've been quite spoiled with the the flexibility that we get in Canvas apps. Yeah. So it's gonna be nice to have some of that flexibility in the model driven apps as well. So and then I also see that um on Canvas apps, I think it was getting some pre-configured form layouts and for many form factors, I think they're spending some more time on that um, in terms of kind of design of Canvas apps itself because I think we found in the ones that we've done and just in general there that, yes, you have you are still bound by certain restrictions in Canvas apps as well. Um, and as well, you can spend lots of time, there's lots of really good people out in the industry that spend a lot of time with kind of CSS, uh, kind of Java, and um, kind of the components to make apps look nice and stuff like that. But which is great. But at the same time, and, and I always want to make apps look good. But at the same time, there's only so much money that a customer's going to spend for for us to make those apps look good at this moment in time. So I think I got the gist that it's not till March next year. So one of the very late releases of um, wave two but there's going to be some some more kind of layout kind of pre-configurations available for canvas apps coming i believe yeah 
Okay. So sorry, just to go back to Dataverse a little bit as well, one thing I forgot to mention yeah. is um, we've long had the, the prospect of calculated fields, which they've started moving over to PowerFX, which makes them a bit more flexible. Yep. So um, in this wave, they're just introducing a few more capabilities into those calculated fields. So essentially, we will no longer need the old, old calculated fields. So we okay. can now do date times. Um, we can now do current fields. So that's just enhancing that capability there. And they're also starting to um, do roll-up fields as PowerFX fields. Okay. So for just customers that are reading that in terms of a, a, a roll, so calculated fields, relatively self-explanatory. Yeah. What's a roll-up, for those listening to the podcast, what's a roll-up field? So a roll-up field basically gets an aggregated value um, of child records and services them to the parents. So quote product is, you know, yeah. a classic example. Um, so you've got the total amount of your quote lines and then it rolls up the total of the actual quote yeah. with all the lines combined. That's a roll-up field. Okay, cool. What's next? Power pages? Power automates? Um, do you want to do power pages? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't know. Not, co- not co-pilot. <laughs> I don't want to say the dreaded word, but yeah. I'm going to go there just because it is cool. And again, co-pilot's the assistant. Um, but essentially it's going to help people to create their power pages websites. So again, power pages, you know. Everybody should know this anyway, but Power Pages compared to what it was, the previous Power Portals, yeah. Power Pages is infinitely more flexible, easier to use, you know, a lot less restrictive than the old portals were. So combining that with the fact that Copilot will help you to actually build the website yourself yeah. is going to, again, you know, just significantly improve okay. how easy it is to build, you know, and improve a Power Pages website. Because obviously it's easy for us as you know the consultants to go and build a power page and go, there you go, you're done with it. Yep. But you know, if it again, I don't actually know how easy it is going to be for people to self serve. You know, just make a small change on their website. You know, it may be a really great thing for people to have, as well as helping people to get answers to questions that they may have on the portal as well. Copilot's going to help in that way. So I think if you if you've built a um, like a self-service portal for customers or suppliers or something like that. Um, or even if you've got a product return form and you've got it on there going, well, what do I fill out if it's not self-explanatory? If you've got Copilot on there for the end user, yeah, then it says, I can ask the question going, what do I do? And if it says, well, you should fill this out. Or if it's a case of, I haven't filled this out, you'd hope that you can ask co- the Copilot it says, right, you should be filling this out with this information. That's why the form won't submit or whichever. So I think I see a, I probably sit on the side of the fence going, the build, great, lovely. But I think if you, a website kind of portal based builder, you are still going to need a good amount of kind of technical expertise and knowledge and stuff like that. So again, assistant might help you. I think if you put it on the side of, the user in terms of the customer, the supplier, whoever it is that's using the portal or the pages or the website or whatever it is that you've built, I think that's where you can you can really get some strength in terms of the usability, the going, well, 
you you separate from the rest in terms of all that all, all our other suppliers that we use because it's so easy to use your self-service portal and also if i've got impressions I, I i can easily i get the assistance that i need without even picking up the phone to you yeah exactly it's going to be a big time saver in, in terms of cases mm. you know how many cases do people that have had portals in the past or power pages mm. are getting logged of i'm on your portal i don't know what to do yeah, yeah. can you help me with this if Copilot's there to help guide, you know, the user experience, that's going to save time and, you know, the effort of the user going, I've got to ring up, you know, yeah. again and ask the same question because I'm getting lost. So it's only going to help. I did notice, though, that Microsoft have been talking about, and I thought that it was due out in August in terms of general release, but it may not have been. I think it was public in the end, but Bootstrap V5. Yeah. So... That's obviously the the design, design yeah. of um, technology of Power Pages. So web developers are very kind of familiar with that type of technology. Current, and I will stand corrected, but I believe current Power Pages that are in situ and live today are V3. Yeah. Um, and November V5 will be officially general generally available but it's not a point and click from my understanding we still need to do some research but to take people onto the v5 there's more than just a ah oh, make it available please microsoft there's some steps involved in that as well and microsoft does understand why they've missed out v4 because v5 is available yeah um but yeah so i think a lot of the community i've seen have asked for v5 capability from bootstrap in terms of what you how you can design the websites and stuff like that but yeah i think those that have already got power pages or a power portal if you want to call it that they they won't be able to take advantage of that functionality until they probably carried out some steps first yeah it's safe to say that almost every sort of underlying file in a portal has reference to the bootstrap version that you're on so as you say there's going to need to be a level of guidance of how to upgrade from one version of Bootstrap to the other. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fine. That's fine. Understood. So, anything else power pages wise? I've got one, but. Go for it. <laughs> so, my one is collaborate and comment on the build of power pages, which will be public preview from November. So, this is a little bit like the Power App stuff, where yeah. many people usually have. One person would go in, start building. Yeah. And someone else comes in, it kicks you out, basically. Now, Power Apps, you, the idea is that you're going to be able to collaborate on building apps at the, at the same app at the same time. Power Page is a similar principle, but you can then start to comment whilst you're all working over who's doing what at what point in time as well. So again, just the collaboration of what's going on. So one person might be working on the tables and the structure one person might be working on the design yeah. but then you can store your notes internally within that kind of the project as such like that within power pages which for me it's just the collaboration aspect of the power platform which i think is again a good thing moving forward we've we found because we've had comments obviously in power automate and, and power apps for a while and we found they're quite useful as well if you're doing something particularly complicated to just sort of give a brief explanation you know to what it's doing so that people that then go in to have a look at it they can be like right okay yeah i understand what this should be doing so it, it saves people then going and you know overwriting what you've built yeah 
because they didn't quite understand what it was supposed to be doing. Yeah. Well, kind of also that comes to a, to an extent as well, especially on Power Automate with the whole versioning concept. Yeah. Um, I think getting to grips with all the whole version ver- versioning piece is that's going to help with that and obviously going to be incredibly important as well. It is. Moving forward in the power, power platform. Yes, we've got solutions. Yes, you've got the ability to take it back a solution file and stuff like that. But just opposed to going that far, changing to a different version of that flow or whatever it is, I think is going to be, well... Yeah, it's going to make a Incredibly important as well, yeah. I think, yeah. moving forward, especially with just the estate of everybody now moving forward um, is... Um, everybody, everybody moving forward. More and more flows are going to everybody's systems, etc. So versioning, control, notes, comments, etc. Maybe a year ago, people were getting scripts for them. Now it's a case of you've got to have best practice of how you're managing these for sure. Okay, so that kind of does lead on to a little bit of Empower Automate. It does. And going. So what is um, what's the what's what's the latest? So. You'll be very surprised to hear there is nothing co-pilot what? in Power Automate. What? I can't say bingo. You can't say bingo. So a couple of um, quite good updates for Power Automate though. So we'll, we'll touch the first one first. So Microsoft have called it Manage Bulk Abandoned Cloud Flows. Right? Okay. Anybody have a clue what that does? No? No. no. So you read into it a bit more and what it actually means is, is that with Flow, We've always had the issue of if somebody leaves a business and they own a flow, the flow doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Unless it's stored in a solution, people can't find those flows. So what they're actually doing is they're introducing tools that make it easier to manage flows so that if somebody does leave the business, you can basically go in, find all the flows that belong to that user and reassign them to somebody else in one go instead of having to go into each individual flow and do them one by one. Yeah. So when is that's that what that does. Uh, that is October 2023. So we're quite excited about that one because that's actually well, a big consider- problem. Well, geez, consider- <laughs> considering we've had two customers that have both had levers, both those have uh, owners of flows, yeah. and we're having to guide with that customer to now re-own. Obviously, we are saying make sure you've got more than one owner, have co-owners as well, but that clearly is an incredibly useful tool. Yeah. Definitely. So the... Um, the second quite exciting feature is the monitor performance for cloud and desktop flow activities. Now, this one's obviously a little bit more specific about what it does. But so the other main problem that we have with Power Automate is there's no real reporting on it. There's no, no. real way to analyze what's happening, troubleshoot your flow runs without going into each flow, checking the runs, and basically somebody saying to you, hey, my flow stopped working. Yeah. So this is basically going to give us the ability to have an overview of what's happening so that we can proactively see flow failures, you know, before they become a business critical issue. Yeah. Um, so we can see if things are taking a really long time to run and go and have a look at why that is. Yeah. You know, so that maybe we need we're doing too many actions or, you know, we're pulling in too much data and we need to amend those filters. So this will give us an overview of what that is as well. So th- those two things are going to be a big game changer for flow, in my opinion. I think we've always known going. It's a very, it's a very powerful workflow tool, but the management, the review, the reporting on it hasn't been good enough. Um, 
And especially when you talk about kind of using it for integrations, passing data backwards and forwards, etc. Business critical processes. Yeah, absolutely. And clearly there are still benefits for other kind of integration tools in the market, absolutely, for specific reasons. But that was also one of the main things that when you're using Flow to integrate one tool to another and pass data across, when you can't monitor it right enough without building lots of extra steps for alerts and notifications and stuff like that, and then at what point do you send the notification or do you just litter your Flow with notification error trapping all the way through and all of a sudden your Flow that was going to be kind of yay big is now yay big yep. just purely because of the amount of error trapping that you want to put into it as well. So again, I think it's not going to answer every every no. challenge that we've got, but it's a really good step forward. It's a good start. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? That was it for Flow. A couple of other things, but there. Okay. Yeah. Let's go on. Let's go to the couple of couple of other things then. Well, okay. So one is using your own encryption key for encrypting data at rest. So, <laughs> can you tell me what that actually means? Um, so you can use an Azure Key Vault okay. to, to encrypt your data. That's basically what it means. It's it's not something we're going to do, is the reality of it. It's, it's a massive enterprise scale. You know, we've got so many data restrictions and policies. But, and so th- this, this all comes down to what Microsoft called DLP. Yeah. Data loss prevention, etc. So the idea is where is your data going? Who's Where is it being passed to? And if it's been passed anywhere, is it encrypted and is it at rest? Yeah. Which, if I'm honest, if you're integrating to other tools and APIs, etc., you would expect it to be at rest. Yeah. Um, so this is just ensuring that you've got the ability to do it within the Power Platform, essentially, in a more... Yeah, so reading through this, I mean, I obviously didn't really go into it in any detail because it wasn't something that was going to be relevant to us. But reading this, it looks like um, you have been able to do it previously, but you had to sort of be starting from scratch with Power Automate, whereas now they're giving you the ability to sort of backdate that. Okay. Seems what it it is. Okay. Um, But as I say, it's... It's not going to be relevant to to us or our customers, I don't think. I, I think in general, though, the whole data loss prevention kind of and the data loss policies piece overall is important to yeah. our customers. So we, we're not shying away from that. The, if your data is being passed from one place to another, if you're running flows that's updating certain data, etc., the idea is that every business should say, well, if that doesn't happen, if it doesn't work, well, what does that mean to our operation and our business? And, and if that data was overwritten accidentally, then what does that also mean to us as well from that perspective? So I think customers need to understand what that truly Def- means definitely. and actually put steps in place for that. Definitely for data loss policies and things, yeah, but the, the encryption I don't think yeah. will be needed. Okay, uh, that's more of a, so it's a techie thing as well. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely a techie thing, yeah. Okay. And then the uh, only other thing for cloud flows was um, being able to run them for more than 30 days. Yes, so I did see without it kind of automatically just switching itself off. Yeah. Yeah. So again, that has been a problem with Flow is that um, after 30 days, it will turn itself it will turn itself off. People used to write another Flow that would let, monitor that Flow and say, if it hadn't ran for 29 days, run it and then keep it on for another 30 days, yeah. etc. But now that's not 
the problem. So this this is a very similar thing, but it's actually saying that your flow can run for more than thirty days. So if you've got oh okay, so there's flow in long run, running flows. Yeah, okay. so long running. Yeah, we haven't got any that run for more than thirty days. I okay. hope not. Anyway, um, if we have, we've written them badly. Yeah, but but you know, in some scenarios, you are going to have flows where you are going to need them to to run for over that thirty day period. Yeah, um, and they can. Okay. Okay. Cool. Obviously, we've got stuff around. There, there has been improvements around, kind of like in general, power virtual agents, bot frameworks, um, which obviously links back to omnichanneling in CRM, um, Power BI. I, I did note some additional pieces on Power BI as well. Obviously, people keep getting their head around Fabric, and the, and the components to Fabric is is probably a big thing at the moment as well of what that truly means to an organization and and the and how you utilize it which will come more on as as time go as time goes on for sure um but i think we've probably already taken up the usual 40 odd minutes that we do on these things um whilst there hasn't been lots in terms of we look at the document and there's not lots and lots and lots and how do you put it through there's still enough to talk about um but I think those are the key ones, unless there's any other final ones that you want to mention. I don't have anything. Yeah, I don't believe so, no. So, we've come to the end of Copilot Bingo. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, hopefully, you had your bingo cards out wherever you're listening to this, and you've called house several times over. Um, that is the end of Wave 2. Um, Techman are running our customer day in... October. Uh, hopefully, we'll see you there, where I am sure you can bring your bingo cards out again, and uh, Copilot will definitely be a topic of conversation. Apart from that, thank you, Zach. Thank you, Kelly. Uh, thank you to you for listening in to Techman Talks Dynamics, and we'll see you again on another episode. <laughs>